talk about y'all all the time. My nephew Tim. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank y'all. I love my family. I love my family. I love my children. I love my grandkids. Amen. And I love my church family. Amen. I pray for y'all daily. I love the deacon board. Thank you, deacon. Chris in the house. <laughs> and our visitor, brother, thank you for showing up. Amen. Love y'all. If you all would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Ada, waiter. Y'all pray for me. I've been up all night and I'm tired. But it's all good. Me and Tim. (laughs) Burning the oils, right? (laughs) Slave in the kitchen to prepare a feast. Amen. Amen. The reason for the season. The reason for the season. Isaiah chapter 9, I'm reading for the American Standard Version, says, But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea and on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in dark land the light will shine on them. You shall multiply, multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to hold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, you know. I spent a lot of time meditating on this word, and I spent a lot of time thinking about this message that um, the Lord had placed on my heart, and it's changed a lot. It's changed several times. And so, you know, all I can do is tell you what the Lord has shown me. Um, There's a lot of people that believe that this time of season, you know, that we we shouldn't participate in it. You know, there's a lot of people that believe that. But there's something in me. It's like I had shared with my brother that, you know, 
Jesus, if we celebrate the birth of Christ, it's like God gave us a gift. Did he not? He said, because unto us a child is born, a son is given. And I think about in my life, I've been going back over my life, and I remember this season, being my birthday is on the 17th, the week before Christmas. I didn't have birthday parties. Birthday and Christmas was celebrated together for me. But my father loved this season. And he established a tradition with us when he would set up his reel-to-reels. I know the young people don't know what reel-to-reels are, but you know, there's those big tapes that they would set up on the little thing and he would record and he would sing. My dad was a singer. He had his little mic and he'd get up and he would sing and perform for us during this holiday season. We would put up a tree. We would put up decorations. My mother would be in the kitchen cooking and my father would start to sing. But the one thing that he did every year was he would put on the television. You remember those shows, The Ten Commandments? Mm -hmm. The greatest story ever told. And it talked about Jesus, a baby being born, and he was grew up, okay? And then what happened to him? He started to preach the gospel, and then they killed him, right? That's the basis of it. That's the story. I can remember I was the age of my granddaughter, Ariana, watching this show because we watched it. We had one television. It ain't like today where you got 10 TVs in the house. We had one television and our parents controlled what we looked at. That's just how it was back in the 70s, being real, right? 60s and the 70s. And I can remember watching this show and seeing Jesus being crucified, and I couldn't understand why. And I remember talking and saying, is he real? Is God real? Okay. And I could hear him talk to me and say, yes, he is. He is real. And God started to speak to me as a child. I was eight years old when he started to talk to me. Amen. Amen. Sister Tabs, Brother Joe, welcome. Amen. I was a child when God started to speak to me. And he talked to me throughout my life. I started, I didn't like my life. I used to pray and ask God that he would allow me to die and that I didn't have to wake up to see another day. And I was a kid in elementary school. We dealt with a lot of discrimination. We dealt with a lot of different things at that time. You got to stop and think. It was the 60s and the 70s. And I would seek God and I would cry out to him. And he started to show me dreams. He started to talk to me and show me my life. You know, we have died. We have desires, we have dreams, but God says, I'm the one that's going to establish it if we trust in him. God told me, he says, I need you to trust in me and to start to serve me and to believe in me. And I said, why do I have to be the one? I said, look how many people are in my family. I'm one of five kids. He said, but I've chosen you. I would have dialogue with God. If you don't think he's real, he said, try me and see. Try me and see if I'm fake or if I'm real. Because a lot of people don't believe that God is real. But I'm here to testify and let you know that he is real. If you don't believe it, then try him. Try him and see. I started having dreams, and he showed me this young woman sitting right here when I was a teenager. So I knew I was going to have one child. You understand what I'm saying? Then he showed me 
in, in business suits. I didn't know what my field was. But everything he said came to pass. Amen? The problem that I had was that I struggled with doing what God called me to do. He wanted me to witness about him to my family. But I didn't like my family half the time. And I'm just real talk. All right? I didn't like my family. I didn't like the fact that my mom smoked. I didn't like the fact that my mother would drink. I didn't like the fact that my dad would go off, you know, my brother, I was talking to him about Philly, East Coast. We know how they are. We'd be driving through the door and downtown, and he'd cuss everybody out. You're talking about road rage. I know road rage firsthand. The Bible says we're born into sin and shaped into iniquity. So then all of a sudden, the sins of my father become what? My sins. We start acting out the behaviors that we see. My mother said behaviors learn. If you want to know why some of the people in my family drink and smoke, it's because behaviors learn. I hated going to family functions because my dad was always trying to fight somebody. And then he'd get thrown out. And as a kid, I'm upset. I don't understand, Sister Sheila. I couldn't understand. Even when we traveled the world, my dad did 22 years in the Air Force. I can remember the military police coming to our house at 2 o'clock in the morning, knocking on the door. Knocking on the door because they said my father was fighting at a club. But it wasn't my dad. It was my mom. <laughs> my mom was throwing hands. Okay? That's what she was. My mom threw hands when she was a kid. She would tell us about it. She was a bully on the bus. She would tell us about it. And you look at my mother and you'd be like, what? Yeah, I can't picture it. I can't picture it, but I saw it. I told Tim, I remember when she swung on my sister. My sister was 16. They were standing at the front door. I'm upstairs looking down. My sister looked at her. She just swung on her. Busted her lip. I saw it. My own eyes. Behavior is learned. We laugh about some stuff because we don't understand the struggle. She was defending herself for some unknown reason. And I didn't find out until my mother, as she got older, came to live with me. All of her struggles. Because I had distanced myself from my family. I was so upset with them that I wanted to get as far away as I could from them. The first time I went to California. But I ended up having to come back. And that's when I had my beautiful son, Matt. I had to come back home. But then when we left again, we came here to Texas. God said, go to Texas. But I didn't talk to my mom. Like, my daughter talks to me every day. My son, he reached out to me all the time. I wasn't like that with my parents. I was, I was angry with my family. I didn't want to be around them. And then my dad died. And then my mom had to come live with me. My mom had to come live with me because my father... You know, when you're in the military, people get what they call survivor benefits. Mm -hmm. But when you retire, you have to check the box to say that your spouse can get the survivor benefits. And he didn't do that. So my mother didn't have any mother any money when he passed coming to her. Before three months before my father died, he drove to Paris, Texas, 
We had to get a wheelchair to get him out the car. He had cancer, lung cancer, spread through his whole entire body. You know why? He said, I need you to do something for me. He said, promise me you're going to do this. He said, when I die, he said, I, whatever your mother wants done at the funeral, make it happen. He said, then I need you to let her come live with you and you take care of her. And I said, I'll do what I can, but we already know me and my mom, we ain't, we ain't tight like that. And I remember going to the funeral, you know, and standing up for my mom because my mother had been disrespected so much by my dad's family and her family that she just allowed it to happen. And I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand why she was the way she was. But when she came and lived with me, she started to talk to me about things she had went through. Her mother died when she was three. She didn't know her biological mother. Her father brought a woman into the house and said, this is your new mom. That's how they were introduced. And this lady didn't like my mother. She was one of five kids. When they get Christmas gifts for the girls, she would get pants. She would get boy stuff, where her sisters got dresses and all the nice stuff. She said that she remembered how they would talk about her mother. She told me how she was picked on and mistreated. She said when her younger sister got pregnant, that they would give them poison to kill the baby. And said she went and she fought with them. She said she broke into the room and she fought with them. It says, y'all can't. And my cousin Robin is alive right now. So my mother started to fight because she had nobody else on her side. It was just her. But you know what I found out is that she wasn't alone. Because a son was, a baby was born, a son was given. That's what my Bible says. And she was a woman of faith. But I didn't know that until she came to live with me. And then she told me about a time when she was raped. She started to tell me things that happened to her. And I'm like, Mom, you never told me. Because I was judging her based off what I saw as a kid, not what I knew her circumstances were. She started to tell me her story, that she had got a full scholarship to go to college for art and her stepmom never told her. Never told her. She didn't find out until years later. And that same woman wrote her when she married my dad and said, you ain't welcome back here. Don't ever come back. Now, I don't know what you guys have been through or what kind of trauma you have suffered, but I've suffered trauma in my life. I've suffered a lot of trauma in my life. I left the fold. I got as far away from my family as I could because I thought that was the only way things was going to change in my life, but they got worse. They didn't get better. They didn't get better until I surrendered my life to God. And I remember when I was 20 years old and I ended up getting raped 
And I can remember sitting out in the park in California by myself. My husband left me for another woman. And I was 20 years old and I was alone. And I said, God, you told me that if I served you, you would protect me. You would keep me. That's what you told me, God. But you didn't do it. I'm sitting out here by myself and I'm broken. I'm broken, God. And I don't understand. My mom called me. He said, I'm sending your brother. My oldest brother. He said, he's going to bring you home. And Owen flew out. She flew him out there. He came. And we drove back. We drove all the way back from California to New Jersey. And I was sick. I was so sick. And I didn't know. When I got home, my mom was vomiting up blood. She was sick. And I didn't know. And I remember walking into the house, and I was disgusted. Because I didn't want to be back there, Sister Shoe. I didn't want to be back here. I tried so hard to get away. I wanted things to change. And God said, ain't nothing going to change until you do what I said, until you answer the call. God said, through you, I am going to save your entire family if you humble yourself. And he said, and if you're obedient, he said, I will bless you beyond measure. And I remember when I was eight months pregnant, my mother ended up in the hospital and she had to have emergency open heart surgery. She was almost dying. And I remember crying out to God and I'm like, she's not even gonna see my son. She's not even gonna see my son. But she recovered. She recovered enough that when I went into labor, she was the one person that got up in the middle of the night to take me to the hospital in the middle of the blizzard. And we couldn't see the window. I mean, that was just big. That's all we could see out to get to the hospital. And then I'm in labor with Matt, and I start having complications. All of a sudden, they're running me down the hallway because his heart is deteriorating. He's going. They're like, he's not going to make it. And I remember God saying to me, what do you want me to do for you? And I said, I need you to save my son. And God saved him. And I said, God, I don't even have a name for him. I don't even know what to call him. And he said, his name is Matthew. He is a blessing. He said, he is a blessing unto us. Unto us. A child is born. Unto us, a son is given. It's a gift. Jesus came as a gift to all of us. And if we could just trust him and believe him, your whole life would be changed. After I had Matthew, things started to change. I got into church. I became a nurse. All of a sudden now I'm making money. All of a sudden now my credit is good. I'm singing. I'm singing with recording choirs, traveling all over the world. 
God's like, I need you to preach. I'm like, I can't. I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not preaching. No, that's not my calling. Just let me sing. And I continued on. And when I came out here and I had a dream, I got married and God brought me out here. And he said, this is the land flowing with milk and honey. He's like, I'm going to prosper you here. Everything God said he was going to do, he did. Without a degree, I'm in corporate America. I was managing 16 hospitals here in Texas, in the Metroplex. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That God said, if you hear me and follow me, I will bless you. You will be successful. Everything you desire. What is it that you desire? What do you want out of life? Because Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. What is it you want, Sister Sheila? What is it you want, Brother Chris? What do you want out of life, Caleb? What is it you need, Sharisha? Everything you desire is wrapped up in one person. At one point or another, we're all going to meet our maker. Every single person on this planet. And God said, you can't stand before me. You can't stand before me and say, you've never been offered the opportunity to know me. You can't. You're either going to be in or you're going to be out. Everybody has to make a decision about whether they believe in Jesus or not. The one sin that he will never forgive is the sin of unbelief. You can say you don't believe in him. There's a lot of atheists. But atheists believe they don't, don't realize they're believing. They believe that he's not. Okay? But he is. And he's a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. Amen? Amen. Seek ye the Lord while he can be found. In this scripture right here, when it talks about the government will be on his shoulders, when Jesus rose from the dead, he became in control of the government of the world. There are principalities and powers in high places. I know when you stop, when I think about the Avengers, but it's at another level. You know, I'm a Marvel's person. A lot of people don't believe in the supernatural, but God's a spirit. And those that worship him have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And he said, Jesus said, I have all power in my hand. And he says, and my government is going to be established and grow forever. And those of us that believe will be with him forever. Those of us that don't, we all know. The end draweth nigh. That's what the Bible says. It's real. It's real talk. Now, those of y'all that are here today, <clears throat> I'm going to give you an opportunity. It's a short message. Excuse me for a second. 
The name of our church is The Way, The Truth, and The Life. We are here to offer you an opportunity to get your life straight, to give your life to Jesus. You can't come, you're not here by accident. You're here because God ordained for you to be here. There's no mistakes in God. You can run all you want to. You can run, but where are you running to? Look at your life. Is your life where you want it to be? What is it you desire? What is it that you need? What? I don't know. But God knows your heart. He knows what you need. But God also has a plan for your life. <coughs> Excuse me. He has a plan for your life. He wants to make you successful. But you've got to surrender to him. I'm giving you the opportunity right now. If you don't know Jesus as your personal savior and you want to give your life to Christ and you want to see change in your life, there's an opportunity right now for you to come give your life to Christ. Maybe you were saved at one point in your life. You were serving the Lord and for some unknown reason you walked away. I know I've walked away at one point in my life several times. But I know that when I walked away, things fell apart. Things weren't right. I'm giving you an opportunity to rededicate your life. Is there anyone that's looking for a church home? We're building something here. We're building something new. We're doing it as Jesus, as the head of the church. He's our pastor, and we follow him, the way, the truth, and the life. Is there one? Is there anyone that wants to give their life to Christ? Is there anyone that wants to rededicate their life? Is there anyone that's looking for a church home? Is there anybody that wants prayer? Now you have an opportunity.